Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. I'm Jason. I'm Ned. <laughs> I'm Ed. I'm Ned. Ned. I'm and Ned. I'm Geraldo. <laughs> We've been doing it. it one way. This is the third time. I can't say my own We're, name. We are not editing that. I like know. That. I'm Ned. I'm Ned. That's what I go by in my other life. I don't know. <laughs> we Ned. are leaving that one. Wow. I'm, I'm Ned. So, I'm so happy I'm here <laughs> to hear that. That was great. We're here at episode 95, guys. Did he ever get to say who he was? He did. I said Geraldo. He said Geraldo. <laughs> That's who he is. No, I am. If All you right. get to be Ned. Yeah, I can be Ned. I can be anybody I want to be. And I can be Antonio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just okay. make it up. All right, good. Whatever. You started it, Ed. I did. You started it. So here we go. We're here at episode. The only Ned I know is Ned Beatty. I was I'm about sorry to say, are you talking about Ned Beatty? Is he yeah. alive? I think so. Is he? Okay. I, I think know. so. I have a really bad thought about Ned Beatty, but I can't bring it up. Then don't. I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> you personally, I'm very angry <laughs> about Ned Beatty. <laughs> Wow, man. Let's look it up real quick. No, please don't. We don't the have The bad time. thought? You're going to look up the bad thought I have? Look it up in your mind. We don't have time for this, Nathan. All right, go. Then we'll keep talking. Why did Network come out? Now, speaking of... Now, see, here... here uh, watch, watch this segue. Watch oh, no. this segue. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What? Ned Beatty died June 13th of 2021. I told you Just I thought recently. he was dead. I told Just you recently. that. Okay, you I did. was thinking that. From Louisville, Kentucky. So, Ned how's this he for... He died because of Louisville, Kentucky? Well, yeah. well probably. <laughs> so, as a, as a really clever segue, Ned Beatty was a movie star. And... Uh, <laughs> Star in print in, and, in quotation marks. Yeah, he and, was in movies. And Nathan, you he just dropped last Thursday your first episode of your movie podcast. Oh, we did. And so we for did. those who missed out, because again, we're not dealing with the. They of talked Ned about Beatty. Deliverance and Network. And you know, <laughs> when you've got a six-year-old in the home, you know what you need to show them. I will tell you this: I do have a crazy story that I won't tell no. about when I was eight and I went to someone's house and their dad said, "Y'all need to watch this movie." And it was deliverance, and I've been oh, scarred for life for the rest gosh. of my life. So wow. Yeah, Why would they do that? They were, they were, Nathan needs therapy now. I do. I do. So. That's what we're working out on the family movie night <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so so uh, last week, you dropped your first episode. We've got your second episode coming up this Thursday, which is Thanksgiving which is Day. Thanksgiving. Which is a great time when families are at home watching movies. Watching movies. As our so. idea is to start this right, right up at the holiday season. It's a natural time for you to go ahead. Everyone's going to be sitting down their kids and showing them movies already. Probably movies your kids don't want to watch. Right. So we're exactly. going to try and find some movies your kids might actually want to watch. Exactly. Give you some ideas. I'll tell you. They the, don't want to see Jimmy Stewart. No. no. I will say, <laughs> this one is older than people think it is, uh, but we our first one's going to be Home Alone. Came out in 1990. Is 31 years old. Wow. Which feels hard for a lot Didn't of people that feel to feel. feel weird? Uh, I will say. The, you know how I know that? That was the year you were born. The and I was born. I remember that because that's. I don't want to go. I don't, we don't have time. Thank you for remembering my birth by a Macaulay Culkin film. Whatever it takes. I yeah. remember that because Becky was whining about something, <laughs> and I was watching Home Alone going, man, Joe Pesci is a delight. <laughs> Joe Pesci. And then you came out, and you kind of looked like babies look like Joe Pesci. That, <laughs> wow. It's amazing, but that's exactly the story I was going to tell. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> well, there you go. So we're talking about Home Alone. I will say this. Even if you think it's older, I'm, I'm very much about not going too far back to show your kids because mm-hmm. 
movies don't age well. That's just his Some generally. Of them. Yeah, yeah, most do not. This movie right here, uh, my it is by far my children. I have four children at home, all under the age of nine. Their favorite movie. I, I was telling them uh, when because in preparation, I go back and watch the movies in preparation to talk about them. And I told them, I said, Hey, we're gonna sit down. We're gonna watch uh, this movie. And I said, Now. It is about someone whose home gets broken into, and we kind of have a running joke. One of my daughters is terrified of anything that might be a scary oh. movie, and she goes, Daddy, I don't want to watch this. I said, and guess what? They're going to they're gonna try and hurt the per- person in the house. And she goes, no, <laughs> Daddy, I don't want to watch this. And I said, and here's the worst part. It's a little kid that's in the home. And she goes, oh, no. And I said, and he's all home alone. And one of my kids goes, Hold on a second. <laughs> is this the movie? They call the movie Kevin because that's the name of the movie. <laughs> is this Kevin you're talking about? I said, it is. And there was this rapturous applause oh, that went through cool. my house. They were so excited. They, by far, the favorite movie. I bet we've seen it five times that's in the last cool. two years. So. I think it should have been called Kevin. It's called yeah. Kevin. They love it. So All my right. kids are very excited. They don't understand what aftershave is. Neither will your kids. But that's okay. That you might. That'll be what you have to explain the most. So that's what you guys have to look forward to this Thursday. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about that. Hopefully, you will watch it or one of the other movies we talk about. You'll watch yep. as a family on a movie night. Great. That's the ultimate goal of this. So don't miss the next episode dropping in if you're listening to this on drop day. Two days. Two days on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving Day. After you've stuffed yourself with turkey and other such things, you can listen to our podcast. <laughs> exactly. There Good you job. Go. Okay. Today, we have another special treat. Uh, if you were with us last week, you know that um, last two Sundays ago, uh, we put a spotlight on some of the local ministries that uh, we support here at Community Christian in our area to bring God's kingdom and love and grace into our uh, immediate community. This past Sunday, uh, we took a little bit of a wider look at what uh, we're doing with ministries around the world. Right. And uh, again, if you were here with us, uh, you saw a clip of, uh, of, of, of a, an interview that we did with one of our partners and one of the things that they are doing on the other side of the world. Uh, you saw uh, a young lady that I'm very close to, and so I can I can introduce this. Her name is Bethany. Uh, Bethany and I uh, go way back. Uh, in fact, we've been friends since we were little kids. Hmm. And uh, uh, her her mom are y'all the same age? She's like a year or two younger than me, I think. Okay, so, but we're are very you the close same age, age as her brother. Yes, I believe okay. so. Right. We are we are very, but we're very close in age. We kind of. Uh, Who's the same age as Ned Beatty? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to venture a guess on that one. Okay. But uh, anyway, not, uh, not me. Bethany and Bethany's parents and my parents have been lifelong friends, and uh, her parents back in 1974, I believe, uh, left the United States to go and start a uh, a work in the nation of Indonesia, right, and bring God's light and love into that uh, into that nation, and it has been going strong ever since. Um, the largest Muslim country in the world, I it believe, is the largest Muslim country in the world. A lot of people don't know that. Um, thousands of islands comprise yep. the nation oh, yeah. of Indonesia, but uh, they have uh, they have been uh, on several of those, um, but have concentrated their. Uh, their life and work uh, in just a few of those areas. And so, um, and I am, I, you know, last week Ed was telling you he sits on the board of Coweta Force that we spotlighted last uh, week. I sit on the board of this ministry uh, called Java. And so um, I'm a part of this uh, work and I know Bethany pretty well. And um, she has started a, in her community, uh, started a school which kind of bridges uh, the gap between 
the Muslim community and the Christian community in their um, immediate neighborhood right there. And, and this is the longest-running supported ministry. They have been supported since day one of Community Christian. Yes, they since have. Since day one. Yes, we've been partners with uh, Bethany, her father Dennis, her mom Lynn, and their entire work over there. And so um, at our last board meeting, uh, I had just sat and listened to Bethany talk about uh, a school called Fast Start that she had begun over there. And just I was just amazed at some of the work being done over there, some of the uh, the, the bridges that they were building in that community. And so I asked Bethany, I said, would you just get on Zoom with me and then let's talk about this? It was kind of fun because there was 13 hours difference between us. <laughs> so we had, so basically I was, uh, I was at eight o'clock at night, I was talking to someone who was just getting up the next morning. <laughs> it was amazing. It was my, I told her, I said, this is my longest or distance um, Zoom call ever. Mm. Um, but uh, Bethany talked a little bit about the work that they're doing there and just the, the, tells a few stories of some of the relationships that they've built there and just um, just just all the great stuff. I just think she's sharp. I, 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 I know I'm partial because she's a friend of mine, but, man, she's her and her husband and her family over there just doing amazing work along with the, what her father started. And so we wanted you guys to see a little bit more in-depth uh, of that interview because you only got to see just a piece of it uh, if you were with us on Sunday. So for the rest of the podcast, we're going to just play that uh, interview with you for you and let you get a little bit more uh, flavor of what Bethany and her family are doing all the way on the other side of the world and how you guys as a uh, part of Community Christian are supporting that. So this is, uh, this is the interview with Bethany. So you guys watch this and we will be back with you next week. Bye. Bethany, why don't you start by, um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story uh, to start with? Uh, you are a missionary kid and I know that comes with a story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to be in Indonesia and a little bit about your family and about the ministry there and how you just, just, just introduce yourself to us a little bit. Okay. Well, like you said, I am a missionary kid and I can't imagine my life any other way because it started out that way. I was born in Indonesia and raised here. I was raised by a family that was committed to being here long-term and to doing, making a difference here long-term. We, they searched for places to go when they first wanted to come out in 1975 and didn't know where they were going to go. But the door that got opened up was in Indonesia, despite thoughts that they were going to head to Latin America because they had both visited Latin America previously. God said, nope, not what I have in mind, not where I have planned for you to go. And so they arrived in 1975 and have worked on and off here until they retired just recently. But being a missionary kid, of course, means I grew up in two cultures and never knew really which culture I needed to fit into at the time. I joke about being a chameleon, being able to adapt to wherever I am, knowing that I need to be able to fit in in Indonesia and being able to fit in in America, that it's important to be true to who I am, no matter where I'm at, but being able to know what's culturally appropriate wherever I am. Of course, that's been challenged by moves within Indonesia because there's different cultural areas, just like the South isn't the same as the North or the West in the US. 
So learning to be able to be a part of that, learning to adapt to cultures, languages, getting the opportunity to travel since I was young was something I really was blessed with, something I enjoyed because it meant that I had a different perspective on life and that it allowed me to know that people put the world together differently, but we're all looking for one thing. And that is a relationship with the almighty that can change our lives. That's awesome. Now, full disclosure, uh, I have to say this, Bethy and I have known each other since we were little kids. Um, our families are quite close and I, uh, we were both very, very small uh, when your parents started uh, their mission work uh, in Indonesia. So, um, so like you said, you know, uh, I've seen, I've seen the development of the ministry over the years and it's just been, it's been amazing to see, but why don't you tell us a little bit about how, what, what went into the decision of you deciding to follow in your parents' footsteps, so to speak, and continue on in that country rather than coming back to America? Well, when I graduated from college, I had a degree in education and I said I wanted to go back home. Um, but I refer to both places as home, so that's a little confusing. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to come back to Indonesia to help because I felt like the education in Indonesia needed an opportunity. I did that for a couple of years in the capital city of Jakarta and working there. But with the pressures of the school that I was working at, I felt like it was not a good fit long term. So I returned to the U.S and dealt with four years working in the public schools, which I also think is a mission field that needs to be addressed yeah. <laughs> and teaching there and being a part of that. But when the tsunami in 2004 happened, I knew that I had the language skills, the knowledge of the culture and the need to return to Indonesia to make a difference. And Although Aceh is nothing like Java, where I grew up, I knew that I could at least make a difference and be able to be an impact there. I searched for six months trying to find the correct fit of where I would go. Finally ended up working with Food for the Hungry in Aceh. And with that opportunity, I was able to know that God had called me back here. I'd always said God... I'll go anywhere, but I want to go with a partner. And God said, no, you need to trust me. I'm your partner and go where you're at. So. And when did you meet your husband, James? We, he also joined the relief efforts in Ache. And so we I were both. I thought that's where y'all met. <laughs> we were both called to be a part in helping an area that was de devastated by the 2004 tsunami. I mean, I arrived six months after the tsunami, and what I remember is walking through the area where there were what looked like fish ponds. They weren't fish ponds. They were foundations of houses. Wow. And just the rubble and the destruction that was there. And so we were, we both felt a need to do that. My husband is a civil engineer, James came to help rebuild the infrastructure. And as an educator, I wanted to help rebuild teachers and students that they would be excited about learning and life again, not just focused on the disaster and the horror that they went through. I mean, did we did a retreat in trauma counseling with teachers where we worked with 
that talked about walking down the street with her dog holding her daughter's hand and her daughter being swept away an eight-year-old she couldn't hold on to her i mean just stories like that story after story another guy we worked guard we worked with talked about lifting a baby up and putting one roof he says i don't know whose baby it was but i tried help all i could do was put her on the roof to keep her away from what was happening so there's i mean we met there in the um, he arrived about nine months after the tsunami. I came after six and worked side by side with, he worked with a Christian NGO as well. So working with the Christian NGO community, we were able to worship together regularly because being in Aceh, Aceh is 99% Muslim um, <laughs> and they implement Sharia law. And so it is a very strict area, and we knew that in order for us to be able to maintain our strength in an area like that, even doing just relief work and building the basic groundwork for relationships would require constant communion and fellowship with believers as well. Wow. And so we had a group of Christian Samaritan's Purse, Food for the Hungry, World Relief, Tear Fund all gathered together regularly to build each other up and to be a part of that. Wow. And that's when that was at one of those gatherings. So. Okay. Now you mentioned uh, a little bit about the, you know, the religious makeup of where you are. Tell it, tell us more about, cause I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people who are watching this, they may not have a, a lot of knowledge about uh, Indonesia as a nation and certainly not the specific area where you are serving right now. So can you give us a little bit of the, the flavor of the culture there and just what, what people over here in the United States just don't know about where you are and the culture and the religion and that kind of thing. When people ask, where's Indonesia? Sometimes they go, is it anywhere near Bali? Well, actually Bali is part of Indonesia, yes. not the other way around, not Indonesia being part of Bali. So mm -hmm. um, it is, basically halfway around the world from where you're at, at the tropical, uh, at the, on the tropics. Where I currently live is in the city of Ambon. The city of Ambon is on an island, on the island of Ambon as well. And it is um, an area that is actually known to be where the gospel entered Indonesia. Wow. But the fact is it used to be a great stronghold for Christianity here. But in two, 1999, there was a religious conflict. They will, um, they claim it's religious, um, but my husband and others often believe that it is more political, social conflict okay. under the disguise of religion. But it ended up causing Indonesia, the area where I live is probably 60% Christian, 40% Muslim. But as a nation, Indonesia is about 85% Muslim. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, more and more radicals are emerging in this. And they are being used to try to have greater influence in the nation as a whole. Whereas, like I said, in Aceh, where we met, is uh, Muslim Sharia and 99% Muslim where we are um, where we are now where my husband is from had religious conflict it used to be that in indonesia the principle is i'm sorry I'm, there's five religions 
okay. that are recognized in this country, or six now that are recognized in this country. And you have to have a religion. You may not be agnostic. You may not be atheist. Mm. And if you have, because of that, it causes a divide. But it used to be, they teach tolerance is taught in schools and supposed to be enforced that you have to respect whatever people's religion is, but you may not influence people to change their religion. Okay. Um, and so it's a country that is truly trying to seek religion, not necessarily God, <laughs> would be what I would say. Um, and where we live in Ambon, like I said, the conflict happened in 99, where there were burning of churches, burning of uh, jihad, this came into this area under the support by politicians to try to change the composition of this area from a majority Christian. It used to be 80% Christian, now to about 60% Christian. So there has been a great influx of people of the Muslim faith, particularly. Mm. And they try to make the rules and give priority to the majority rather than the minority in the nation. Mm-hmm. So if you're a minority, as we said, as I said, 85% in Indonesia, 50% are of other religions. Yeah. And so the majority is the one respected. Whereas in the U.S., oh, we've got a minority is the most important. And in Indonesia, it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah. So I imagine that that uh, in just the makeup and the culture, as you just described it, certainly does um, change the way you have to live out the gospel in your own life. Um, tell us about what what you would see as your approach to living out the life of a Christ follower in that culture. Most importantly, as in anywhere, you've got to show love. I mean, that's the foundation of the gospel is love. If you love people, if you befriend people, they can't say you can't talk to your friend about what you're passionate about and what you love. Mm -hmm. Just like they can't say you can't pray in schools. I mean, they may not allow you to lead a prayer in school, but Mm -hmm. I know when I taught public school in the States, I sat at my desk and prayed for several students throughout the day. So there are things that we do that we have to, I mean, showing love, making sure that our life is different from even those that claim to know Christ but aren't really living it out. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is you grow up in the area where we're supposed to be the majority, but they are more steeped in tradition than in a relationship with Christ. It's like, oh, yeah, everybody has to go to church on Christmas and Easter, and you have to do these activities. There's this worship service, this day, this day, this day, traditions. Oh, you can't go to worship without offering. You know, things like that that just become more a legalistic relationship than a true relationship with Christ. And so trying to show that it's different. Mm. You know, what's so interesting is uh, I would say 98% of that answer that you just gave would be the same answer that I would give for someone living as a Christian in America. And I think a lot of us, we think because of the religious makeup is different and the culture is different, then there is such a radical, radically different approach that we should take. And it really, like you said, it's not that different if you stay rooted in the gospel, which is love. I, I think that's such a great insight for us to have, you know? 
Definitely. We can't do anything without him transforming ourselves and then us sharing that. Absolutely. That is so great. Well, um, you mentioned this a little bit already. Um, You alluded to uh, education and I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your school. Uh, I know that is probably your greatest passion. And so I would love to hear and I know our people would love to hear more about uh, your school Fast Start and what that is and how it came to be. Well, arriving in Ambon, I was concerned about education as I am about education throughout Indonesia because the principles of education are rote memory and a lot of authoritarian teachers that don't encourage thinking a lot of times and I want to transform that. I had the opportunity to work with Save for the Chil- Save the Children here in Ambon doing child-friendly schools. And when I started doing that, training teachers about being, remembering that education is about the students and not about what the teacher gets out of it and that we need to be in it for making a difference in their lives. I learned that corporal punishment and ridicule were a regular part of education in this province. Oh, wow. And when I learned that, knowing that I had children myself that needed to start school soon, I began going, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? I can't send them to this, particularly in kindergarten, and think about them facing that. And so that was one of the motivating factors. The other thing is I wanted a way to build relationships between the Christian and the Muslims that had been separated because of the conflict. They used to live side by side. Now we have Christian villages, Muslim villages, or neighborhoods in this town. And because of that, I'm like, if they don't interact together, they'll never learn to trust each other, never learn to have a relationship with each other. And if we can't destroy the stigmatism that you can only be friends with Christians, then you can't make a difference. And so when I knew Kiara was about to start kindergarten, I'm like, okay, we're going to start this. And I started a bilingual school also wanting to make sure that my children had a strong foundation in English Mm. so that they could fit in wherever they were because that wasn't available in other schools here in town, Mm. but also developing their character and building relationships. So then I always say we plant seeds of truth in our character building classes. We don't necessarily say that honor your mother and father so that you're, um, you may live long. We say that, but we don't say where it's found. Because if we say the reference, they'll be like, oh no. But if you say honor your father and mother, oh, like, oh yeah, that's great. (laughs) We can accept that. That's right. And so we really try to make sure that we are teaching foundations of truth from a young age and developing their appreciation for that and making them friends. Kids don't care what somebody else looks like, particularly when they're three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just care that he's my friend. He's nice to me, and we enjoy each other. Yes. They don't know anything about religion other than what they're told at home, so they don't ask that question. And so they're able to build the friendships mm-hmm. and develop the trust from a young age. Mm-hmm. And so that was a goal of being in an area that we could help build relationships with kids that were from various areas and. So we wanted to start quality education without corporal punishment. 
Mm. With an English basis to attract people and then build relationships between Christian and Muslims so that they would feel comfortable. And I never would evangelize a child because I wouldn't want somebody to approach my child. Sure. But build relationships with the parents that we might have a chance to share. And tell us how that's how that's going or how you're seeing the Muslim and Christian families uh, come together um, in, in your school. We have been blessed with about 12 Muslim families, and that's not very many uh, over the last few years. But because uh, we've had over 200 students at one point now, we're only at 175. Mm-hmm. But with the, the parents that have come have requested, can you start an elementary school so that my kid can continue? They want the education, they want the value of being that. Um, I had one family that um, her, her daughter graduated from, or finished Fast Start and has continued elementary school. Her son is now here, she's Muslim, but she was always with all the moms, hanging out, spending time, in Indonesia, it's common for the moms to wait on the children outside while the children are in school. So she would sit out there with all the Christian moms and have conversations and they would go to the mall together. They would spend time together doing things. And she really did have a trust and still does. But COVID has kind of made that less interactions at this point. And that's the hardest thing right now is we don't have as many interactions with our parents because it's all online. Yeah, that that was going to be my next question. Um, I know just like every school around the world has been affected by this pandemic. I mean, uh, tell us about how it has affected your uh, your community and more specifically your students and families there. We've had a decrease in number for one thing. Like I said, we were over 200 and now we're only at 175. And because we are not considered an inexpensive school, Mm. um, we are probably for middle class, upper middle class in Indonesia by the prices we charge. But we are also... um, also, the value in sending children that are under five to school has decreased because of the pandemic. They're like, I don't have time to do the younger kids. I've got to help my older children with school because they are required to be in school. Four and five-year-olds, they can wait, particularly the three and four-year-olds. So our decrease in numbers has been particularly in three and fours. We have about the same number in our five-year-old class because they know they're preparing for elementary school Mm. and they want to have a foundation. We're also all online school and have been for over a year and a half. Imagine teaching three, four and five year olds online. Mm. My son is three and he's in school, but a lot of times he's running away from the video and I have to bring it back to sit down. It's just the nature of the age. Yes. being able to interact with people, they are able to have an interaction with this. Education in general, I think, has decreased because of um, the FaceTime that we have. Okay, it's online, it's not the same quality. A teacher can't come over and hold a child's hand to teach them how to write correctly. 
Mm. And mom and dad don't necessarily have the patience to do it. And they're like, you're supposed to know how to do this. They don't understand the process of a child growing, learning, or they're embarrassed that their son or daughter doesn't have the same skill set as another child. So they want to answer, give the answers to their kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, here, hold this one up. This is the correct answer. This is what it is. They're whispering answers from across the room. So (laughs) education online is... A challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you're you're not alone. I think we've we've all seen that. You know, how are the restrictions uh, in Indonesia these days? I know last time you and I spoke, uh, when you were in the states, uh, there was uh, there was still a lot of restrictive uh, measures being in place. Um, has any of that lifted recently? Where I am at right now, we're still required to wear masks when we're outside in public. Um, other than that, most things are pretty free at this point, back to normal. But it seems to be that there's not a lot of COVID cases in Ambon right now. So there's been a big decrease. The only thing is travel is limited. Children under 12 are not allowed to travel outside of their area right now because of the COVID, they want to try to keep protect them because they are not vaccinated. Vaccinations are basically required of people at this point or very strongly encouraged because of the pandemic. But not everybody is willing, just like in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> so again, we're a lot alike. <laughs> yes. People are people the world over. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt. Okay. Um So you may have already uh, talked a little bit about this, but I just love to hear just from your heart. um, What do you what are you seeing as God? What has God done uh, through your school? What you would consider his greatest victories in these past few years? Well, I am extremely grateful to God for providing me with a great group of teachers. They are passionate about what they do. They love the kids and they really have a heart for working for this. Um, I was always a little hesitant about hiring somebody that was not a believer. Last year, that changed. Yeah. I hired Miss Elsa. She is Muslim. She was raised in a Christian area, though, and she grew up here. She was not living separate from the Christians, so she knows a little bit more. But she is quite devout. She says her prayers at school. She wears the head covering that is quite long. And but it's an awesome opportunity to share with her. Every morning we have devotions together as a staff and we share the word every morning that we are at school. That's Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then the days that they're online doing school education, I send out verses and I know at least she's getting to hear the scripture every day, whether she applies it or she reads it. I can't force her that, but it's an opportunity to share. And I love that we are at least being able to pour into her relationship right now and to build her. Who knows? She might be the key to the whole area where she lives because she lives in a very radical area in the town now. So It's a great opportunity there. I'm grateful for the students that we've had that were willing to trust Fast Start with the education of their children, even though they knew at that time my teachers were all Christian and they knew that, you know. So I've had the 12 families that sent their children here 
I've been blessed with that and that we still have the opportunity to build their relationships with them. But um, so we're seeing slowly that people are beginning to trust us more. Um, and that's the most important thing is building the trust first, building the relationship in the community, and then knowing that we love their kids no matter who they are. Yes. And wow. Yeah. That's the other thing is a lot of schools in Indonesia test kids to get in if they're private schools like us. We don't. I'm like, you don't test kids. They come in, you take them where they are, and you take them to where they need to go. I love that. That is such a good <laughs> approach. And, and I'm so glad you brought up Elsa because uh, I know you and I had already talked about her the last time we spoke. And mm -hmm. I could just I could just tell then, you know, you're your face lights up when you talk about the relationships that you've been able to build with her and with that greater community. So um, that is such a, I, I love that. That is such a God story. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, uh, what, what can we do as a congregation all the way here on the other side of the world to help you? What can we do to, what do, what, what do we need to pray for uh, when we think of, uh, of you and, and, and your school and, and the entire mission uh, that you guys have over there in Indonesia? We would really appreciate prayers for the restrictions on education to be lifted. Education online is very difficult, as I said. And at this point, there's no indication that it's going to end anytime soon for the younger children. They're talking about middle school and above that have been vaccinated, being able to go back to school. Hmm. But that's not our area where we're working. So being able to do that, that we would be able to attract more people from the Muslim community to be a part, that they would trust us, that we are here, that we are making a difference, and that Elsa might be a part of that. Um, with last um, month, Elsa entered a competition, a video competition on teaching creatively, and she won representing wow. her start. And the teachers in the community were like, oh, we didn't know you had a Muslim teacher. I said, yeah. And they're like, oh, wow. You know, and so they were shocked by that, too, that mm -hmm. just changing that mindset, but just being able to continue to know that it's that we're shining a light and we're making a difference. I'd also ask prayers for my teachers. A lot of my teachers are the breadwinners in their families. Okay. And their finances have been tighter because of COVID. Some families are without employment other than their daughter that works at Fast Start or things like that. And just the importance of making sure I invest in them, I build them up, but that they also are able to be a blessing to their families and minister there, that they have such a heart for that, even within their own families. But. Yeah. Wow. That, thank you so much. That, that gives us a lot to, 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 to pray on. We certainly will do that. So um, thank you, Bethany, for uh, spending this time with us. And I just want to say from on behalf of Community Christian and our church family here, um, we have uh, we've been behind you the entire time, and even though we may not see each other very often, uh, we are we are connected, and we 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 are so proud of of what's going on over there. And we just thank you for your your shining that light 
into that part of the world and allowing us to be a part of that and partner with you. So thank you. It's a privilege to be here and it's all for God's glory and his work here. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much.